Hello and welcome to Setting the Scheme. I'm Ben. I'm Doug. I'm Elijah. And you know what, and... guys? Uh, I I don't know that it's necessarily Setting the Scheme this week. Uh, and you know how I know that? Well, how, how do you know that, Ben? Because our good friend Taylor Frady is here and she specializes in talking about horror films. So that must mean that it's time for Setting the Scream, right? Oh, yes. Yes. We've we've officially, though not officially officially, but we've basically reached the point of the year where we are no longer setting the scheme. We are setting the scream, my friends. And and Ben, I got to tell you something, man. I cannot think of a better person to have on for our first week of setting the scream than our good friend Taylor Frady. Taylor, how are you doing? Oh, I'm so glad to be back. Hi, everyone. Hope everyone's yes, great. Welcome back, Taylor. Good to be back. Yeah. Well, uh, well, Taylor, you know, I know that you and I have seen the movie that we saw this week before, but uh, but Ben, Elijah, I'm curious. Do you think that we picked a great movie to start off saying the scream this year? I mean, you picked a movie to kick it off. Uh, you picked a movie that we can have a discussion about. I am a little I'm possibly hurt. several discussions about. And it is a horror movie. It is a horror movie. Uh, ben, why don't you tell the folks, what movie did we watch this week? Well, I'm glad you asked. I don't know anything about this movie, but I know the title of it. It's called well, it's Jennifer's okay. Body. It is called Jennifer's Body. And and I'll, I'll be happy to tell you a few little facts about this movie. I'll, so I'll come Jennifer's... back when we get to the plot. Exactly. So Jennifer's Body came out in 2009, uh, written by Diablo Cody, directed by Karen Kusama, Kusama excuse me, um, starring M- Megan Fox, Amanda Seyfried. I'm sorry, I can't talk right now. Starring Megan Fox, Amanda Seyfried, Jai Simmons, a.k.a. Young Neil, J.K. Simmons, uh, Adam Brody, and uh, a whole lot of other people. And Chris Pratt is in exactly 30 seconds of the movie. Wait, he is? Um, yeah, he is. he's the cop at the beginning of the movie. I completely missed that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So anyway, so this movie holds a 5.3 out of 10 on IMDb, a 45% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 47% on Metacritic, and our good friends at Google have rated this movie an 85. Uh, this movie has an 85% on Google. Uh, money-wise, you're going to see why, why hey, Doug, before this you get movie... To money. Uh, did our good pals at Common Sense Media have a rating for this movie? It did not pop up when I just Googled I'm the gonna, title I'm of the movie. Look it up. Why, why, don't you, why don't you go on and look up Common Sense Media? Uh, because, folks, I got to tell you something. This movie was made for a budget of $16 million. And sadly, well, kind of sadly, it only grossed $31 million. Uh, this movie did not... It did not perform the way the studio thought it was going to perform. Keep in mind that uh, that this movie uh, was made coming off of the... Uh, it was definitely riding the coattails of uh, Diablo Cody, the writer. Uh, her biggest film uh, that she's ever done, Juno, which she won an Oscar for. Um, so this was riding the coattails of that. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, di- it did not perform the way that they thought it was going to perform. But... Uh, but I know that I've seen this movie before, uh, Taylor. I know that you've seen this movie before, uh, Taylor. Why don't you why don't you give us some insight as to as to what your experience is with this movie? Before we do that, uh, this movie actually was reviewed on Common Sense Media. Uh, okay. Anyone care to guess how it did? Uh, Taylor, Can you remind me uh, what? 
they grade out of five stars. Uh, I also will say um, it gives three different scores. Uh, it says common sense says for age 18 plus, parents say age 15 plus, and kids say age 14 plus. I don't know what those necessarily mean, uh, but those are the three different sections. Okay. I'm going to say a strong 2.3. Okay. I'm going to say a I'm going to say 1.6. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and tell y'all they don't use decimals. Yeah, two stars. Okay. Oh, they don't. No, it's just one out of five or however <laughs> many out of five stars. You know what? <laughs> I've that was my actually mind. not a spoiler. <laughs> okay. Cool. All right, so we got one, two, and one. Is that what we're going yeah. with? Yeah. All right, you're all wrong. Uh, this has three out of five stars on Common Sense okay. Media. Okay. Which was Common a little surprising. Um, that is surprising. Well, well I did I mean, find you... um, this one comment uh, very funny. Uh, this person rated it three stars and said, not too good. Uh, I would personally say eight, like 16 plus. It does have one positive role model. Um, Chris Pratt makes a brief appearance. He, he does do that. He does do that. Um, Y'all think we can get Common Sense Media to, to a sponsor this podcast? Dude, <laughs> if I could sit down and have a conversation with Common Sense Media on this podcast, I would literally pay an obscene amount of money to do that. Oh, they're a nonprofit, so. Well, then it won't hey, be that obscene. Quick, uh, quick note. So we have talked about this particular actress on the podcast before, and I have always pronounced her name Amanda Seafried. And I was noticing the last time we talked about her on the podcast, Doug pronounced her name different than I did. So today I looked up how she actually pronounces her name and she says Seifried. Okay. Seifried. 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 Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I, I'm a huge fan of hers and I have never known how to pronounce her name. Right. I feel a little ashamed for not knowing that until today. I feel a little ashamed because we've literally talked about like six movies she's in. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so know. it's it's Amanda Seyfried, um, Megan Fox, and J.K. Simmons is in this movie. Yeah. Yes. Uh, before is. we get to that, uh, Taylor, you were telling us about your experience. Oh yeah. Where I so rudely interrupted. <laughs> yeah. Like talk about common sense media. Like, like, like thirty minutes ago, I asked you that question, Taylor. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah. 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 But uh, why, why don't you tell us what's what's your experience with Jennifer's body? Um, so uh, similarly to my experience with Midsummer and that I watched it that day, we recorded the podcast. Um, my experience with Jennifer's body goes back about two weeks ago uh, when uh, we watched it. I've heard of Jennifer's body beforehand. Um, heard people either really like it or really don't like it, which is pretty clear by the reviews. Um, but I, I happen to really like this movie. Um, I did not like Midsummer when I watched it, kind of felt out of the loop on that, um, cause everyone else enjoyed it so much, but Jennifer's body for me just really works. Um, and I think it's a really great example of like good women in horror movie. Um, so personally, um, I'm a big fan of this, so yeah, I, I would agree with you on that. Um, there's a uh, there's a YouTube channel that uh, Taylor and I both watch uh, called Dead Mate. Shout Dead out to Dead Mate. Mate. 
we love dead mate um and uh if you haven't checked him out go and check him out uh it's it's an awesome uh channel and he and they they talk about horror movies on that channel uh, it's a guy james a janice and his fiance uh chelsea rebecca they're amazing but they've done a bunch of stuff about jennifer's body so that was my first like real like introduction to it um and yeah i think it's a i think it's a solid movie uh elijah and ben i know that neither of you have seen this movie before so uh what what were y'all's expectations coming into this what 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 was your what was your hope your dreams your desires for this movie just where were you at so i don't know that i really had any expectations per se uh i uh, honestly, when we started the movie, I had no idea what it was going to be about. And then I remembered uh, probably a few minutes into the movie, you had told us that um, this movie was marketed so that it appeared that it was going to be a rom-com, I believe. And uh, then it wasn't. <laughs> it was quite the opposite. More like a rom-horror-com, maybe. Yeah. As far as expectations, though, um, I don't know that I really had any. Um, yeah. Um, I remember seeing a trailer for this movie when it was coming out, and I don't remember thinking this was going to be a rom-com. I remember coming away from the trailer going, that's a horror movie, and I probably picked up on the black comedy aspect of it, too. I uh, I don't know what, like, what happened that was false advertising with this movie? So, to, to summarize, basically, and, and Taylor, feel free to hop in at any point to, to help me. Uh, get this right so basically diablo cody karen kusama uh the writer director director pair of the movie they had this great idea about this like taylor was saying this very like feminist forward horror movie uh way back in 2009 um they pitched it the studio picked it up uh studio uh saw megan fox as the lead and said nope nope that's that's going to appeal to uh horny teenage boys and that's who we're gonna market this movie to um so so they really like amped up they they didn't really pitch it as a rom-com they pitched it as like as like really sleazy and like a a, a sex-filled movie uh yeah and i think it's important to note that a lot of this was in was impacted by Michael Bay's Transformers that had come out two years previously, yeah. um, which is where Megan Fox really got her start. Um, and obviously, you know, she's the love interest in that movie. And so when they put Megan Fox's name on the project to, to market that to the audience that most comes to horror movies, teenage boys, that's where they felt Jennifer's body had the best appeal. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's not what it's about, but that's what we ended up with. Yeah. Yeah, because because when you actually look at the film, um, like Elijah was saying, you know, it's very it's very much so a black comedy. It's it's commentating on the fact that we we know that the majority of people who come to see horror movies are uh, teenage boys. This is not a movie made for them. This is a movie made with women in mind. Um, and and I'll be real with you. Like I think sometimes the writing thinks it's smarter than it is but by and large you can tell that's the point that's what they were going for with this movie and the marketing just did not sell that 
It did not sell that. Like every single trailer, every single trailer highlighted that shot of of Jennifer swimming in the lake uh, in the nude. Um, it highlighted her kiss with Amanda Seyfried. Um, it it highlighted all the like sexual components of this movie and none of the actuality of like what was in the script. So, yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's really interesting. It's really interesting seeing how that marketing affected this movie because a bunch of people, a bunch of teenage boys came to this movie and they said, all right, we're going to, we're going to see this really like hot, sexy movie. And then they got in here like, what, <laughs> what? <clears throat> and so it, it bombed like it, it, it failed like tremendously. Um, and uh, yeah, Diablo Cody, I just read an article where she was discussing it and she said, I've never been more furious about a movie uh, about its marketing. Um, yeah. And especially now because the movie has gained this like cult status, this, this sort of underground resurgence. Um, and Diablo Cody has said, you know, I really am loving that the movie's popular now. I just wish it happened 12 years ago. That's fair. Yeah. So let's talk about the script yeah. of this a little bit. But... <laughs> did you have something else you were going to say? Yeah. Sorry, I was just... I, I did, I'm sorry. I, I was just uh, going to uh, say, you know, I do see this movie... I do see this movie, and I'm trying to put myself back in 2009. Oh, good Lord, when I was 10 years old um, and would have never had an inkling of a desire to see this movie. Um, but... I'm thinking back to then, like, I don't know how you would actually market this movie, like, effectively in 2009. I think the biggest thing about this movie is that it was made, it was made well before, like, its, its peak, like, You're saying time. it was ahead of its time, yeah. Yeah, I know, it's, a, yeah, it was ahead of its time, and I was trying to say that, but I couldn't get words to formulate in my mouth correctly. Hmm. What's your take on that, Elijah? Oh, I'm processing. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I so Diablo Cody. I, I wanted to see Juno for a long time. I saw Juno uh, like a couple months ago for the first time. Loved it. Fantastic movie. Uh, one of the more enjoyable scripts that I can think of. Um, and I, I don't know what you guys are about to say about the script. I like, this is not a Juno level script, I don't think. I mean, Juno, uh, that script made me laugh a lot when it was supposed to make me laugh. Uh, and it made me feel things when I was supposed to feel things. Um, this movie, I mean, some, I think some of the jokes landed well. I don't know. I, this, um, I was surprised to learn this is the same person who did Juno. So I personally haven't seen Juno, so I don't have that to compare it to. Uh, but I find myself in the same boat, like, there were some jokes that landed and there were others. I'm just kind of like, eh. Um, (laughs) For me particularly, it was uh, the fight scene at the pool. Um, I really hated the dialogue there. It just, it felt like nails scratching on a chalkboard with every comment or with every single line that uh, Megan Fox and Amanda Seyfried had. Yeah, I think they have incredible chemistry on screen together, but this, I hated 
what they had to say. That whole scene was, it was the climactic fight scene. Right. And then the script was all teenage high school drama. Right. <laughs> you know, and Chip's like, she can fly. <laughs> <laughs> like, like well she's hovering that's not as impressive <laughs> yeah it's not on. though let's be real first oh let's be real for a second it's not that impressive it is impressive to hover come on i would disagree but even even so like that's that's what you're gonna say not oh my god are you okay this horrible <laughs> demon was just eating you exactly like he's not gonna chip is not gonna stop and go she can fly like this is Peter Pan. He's going to scream and jump out of the pool. <laughs> um, I don't know that he is. Dude just had a chunk of his neck bit. Oh, yeah. yeah. He might just suffer and bleed. I'd okay. Say, on that, uh, I also hated the line that he said to um, Amanda Seyfried's character later. The I think I was dead when you came Fault. in. Fault. No, you, no, you liar. I you liar. that. You liar. That line's I great. I didn't like it. Either. it you liar that felt like it came straight out of a hallmark movie oh False. man False. the lowest of, it the was lowest taylor, what you think about taylor what what do you think about that line are you on my side the future of our friendship does depend on your I, answer this. this is what our friendship comes down to this this it just might this it just might. okay um i mean i didn't hate it I, do I think every line in the movie is a winner? No, but overall, yeah, like this is this is good to me personally. Um, it's been a long time since I've seen Juno personally, like several years. Um, but I don't know. So something about this work thing. Uh, I don't know. I I, I like it. Personally. Yeah, I think. I think I think this movie is at a really interesting crossroads because it's simultaneously very much so ahead of its time, but it's also such a product of its time that it like is it's this weird paradox uh, as a film because like because like do I think this movie could be made better now or like in 2019 or like in 2020 yeah i do think it can be made better but i also kind of don't want it to be because you're not gonna get you're not gonna get some of the cringy lines you're not gonna get the line about the 9-11 shooter uh, at the bar that is red white and blue but if you let it sit for too long it turns brown um you, you're not gonna get that you're probably not gonna get jk simmons with an awful toupee and a hook for a hand oh uh, man which is so like why is he here last week we talked about the other guys and how we were sitting there thinking why is michael keaton here no i'm sorry why is jk simmons here i was mark ruffle in a bit part in where the wild things are and i'm still no, not that, over that no that <laughs> argument doesn't work that argument doesn't work my friend uh um yeah jk simmons role in this movie was i mean random. there's nothing about that that i would have predicted <laughs> no but he's great. He's so yeah. good. I mean, it's J.K. Simmons. Of course, he's great. Amen. Um, he was also in Juno, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. I think he and Diablo Cody are like decent yeah. friends. I Directors get attached to the actors they really like on screen. Yeah. So we may have one of those situations. Um, yeah. We like J.K. Simmons too. <laughs> hey, 
Taylor, I got a question for you. Since Hit it, I, Doug. as 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 my fellow friend in the horror verse, um, and because I think you've seen this movie, and I'm very doubtful that Ben and Elijah have seen it. Have you seen Freaky? No, not yet. Actually, need to. Dang it. Okay. Okay. Well then, my argument doesn't, or I my uh, discussion doesn't really work with this. Because I, I think that Freaky kind of, I think Freaky kind of works as a modern like update, not update, but like a modern equivalent to Jennifer's Body. Uh, now, obviously, that movie was successful. This one wasn't, but I, I think there's a lot of similarities that can be drawn between the two of these. Um, but yeah, let me know mm-hmm. when you see it, and then we'll talk about it further. I think, and I'm interested to know if y'all would agree with me particularly Doug since like you're you know a little more into the horror thing if Jennifer's body was made in any time past 2009 so like 2017 2019 I think it would still take on those things that it took on from 2009 because like the soundtrack was such a big part of this movie and its marketing like it it really is like an encapsulation of like 2009, but I really think it has the power to take on like any time period personally. I think that's a fair statement. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't think it would yeah, be exactly I think, I think the that's same fair. movie. Um, I no, think it would just be more of a product not. of 2021 than 2009. I think, I think the biggest reason why this, why this movie has remained relevant or has uh gained this cult following is because even though it is such a product of its time like the story still is relevant like like it still is a relevant story it still is one that you know it it has some connections to reality uh regardless of what time it is or what year it is um so yeah i i would agree with you i think i think it's the kind of format that you can update and change to really fit any sort of decade or uh, year. Yeah. Uh, so I know we kind of talked about this um, a couple of weeks ago with Edward and it's not on our list, but I kind of want to bring it up. Um, so uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about Edward and kind of talked about like the anatomy of a cult film, like what makes a cult film, a cult film. So with uh, Jennifer's body, it, it has since become a cult film. What is it about this movie that makes it a cult film that draws these people to it now? Like, was it the story behind it? Something that happens in the movie? What do you guys think? Well, um, last year, what was the horror movie we watched that um, was originally drafted to be a uh, feminist forward to use the phrase that you said Uh, slumber party massacre my friend okay all right so i was i wasn't on that episode i didn't watch what a time but but you were talking about i think there might have been another movie we've talked about that was a similar thing where that's the way it was written and then somebody else got a hold of it and rewrote it um a man got a hold of it and rewrote it and it became something else um not what it was intended to be more voyeuristic i definitely whatever movie it is i definitely saw one that fit that description it wasn't sleepaway camp though 
No, it was not sleepaway camp. <laughs> Which I one can assure you, it was sure not it was sleepaway camp. I'm pretty sure it was slumber party massacre. Oh, yeah. I'm, I mean, I th- I think I think you're talking about. I'm okay. Yeah, like I mean, I yes. know you're talking about slumber party massacre. But, yes, I, yeah. I'm sorry, I got the names mixed up. They're both about slumber. Uh, yeah, okay. Slumber party you're, massacre. You're that, good. I'm I'm you're picturing good. it now. That is the movie I'm thinking of. Um, but we talk kind of about how that movie developed a cult following because of so many people who knew what it was supposed to be mm-hmm. and enjoyed it for that reason. Um, so I, 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 just from the discussion you guys had, like Doug and Taylor talking about the, the background of this, it seems like um, there's just a lot of people who know like what's up with this movie and they're, you know, people who want to shake hands with Diablo Cody and say, Hey, I saw what you were doing and it was great. Don't worry about the way it was marketed, that kind of thing. I think, I think also, um, and this was in that same interview that I read with uh, where, where Diablo Cody was talking about uh, sort of the resurgence and popularity of this movie. Um, I think because a lot of that sort of cult sass has been gained in the last few years. And I think a lot of that has been uh, through the, the rise of the Me Too movement. Because um, mm-hmm. uh, for, for another number of reasons, one, just the 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 nature and the plot of this movie sort of lends itself to that to that discussion um but also i mean uh megan fox uh was very loud and outspoken about how uh about how michael bay like uh sexually assaulted her like on the set of transformers um and i think a lot of people sort of sort of looked at her career at that point and said well there's this one movie that came out in between transformers movies that's you know uh that's you know it fits into this current movement of me too um and i think i think those two things sort of combine to to really up the 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 amount of people who knew about this movie or were interested in this movie um that that's my guess that's my guess um anyone else got any uh points they would like to make on that um i i think you're right doug um i think a lot of it goes to um and maybe maybe follow me with this maybe my internet won't come out while i say this but if you look at like the slasher genre um or even slumber party massacre like y'all were talking about um really surface level it looks like a lot of of um, women being murdered at the hands of man. And I think you can take that one way and you can take Jennifer's body that way too. You can look at it as um, the assault and subsequent murder um, of Jennifer at the hands of low shoulder. Um, You know, that band, Adam Brody's in, absolutely adore him. But um, I think if you dig deeper, with the slasher genre but also just with jennifer's body i think it's really possible to see that it's it's a genre where women have the power to be yes the main characters but also have or have the ability to take their fate back in their own hands um and that definitely comes with jennifer um but also definitely with needy um who goes through her own changes through the movie and everything and I mean, kind of along with that, and I'd love to 
talk more about this too. I mean, this movie really is, it's, it's kind of tragically beautiful, I guess, because it's about the death of a friendship, this friendship that Needy and Jennifer have had for so long. And they've realized that it's, it's not benefiting them anymore. Um, so I think there's something to be said there. And also, you know, like Doug mentioned with um, Megan Fox being so openly, you know, uh, vocal about her sexual assault with my, um, I just think there's a lot of like really good bones here to this movie too. There was the deep thematic content. That's what I'm here for y'all. That's what I needed to hear. Um, I still never want to see this movie again, but that was the part I needed to hear. (laughs) Valid. But yeah, I, I think, I think, I think Taylor's absolutely right. Um, I think one of the best things that this movie does and, you know, a lot, not a lot, but several slashers nowadays and a few slashers from before this, um, one of the smartest things they do is they really give women agency uh, in a film. Um, And I think that Jennifer's body does a great job at giving its female characters the agency that they need. So, yeah. They also both have really complicated motivations. Yeah. You know, and um, Jennifer's like not totally evil. (laughs) And also Needy's not like (laughs) a total hero either, Um, which is good. That's, you know, that's a good sort of a good way to present characters that are actually interesting in a story and also realistic if you want to use that term. I don't know if we're used, if we're trying to apply that term to this movie. We tried to earlier with the with the climactic fight scene, but you know what? Let's just not even try to fit this movie into a realism lens. Let's yeah, just I not. think I think I think discussing a movie about sucky by, uh, you know, I think that's I think that's fairly realistic. <laughs> yeah. Um, what were you trying to ask me? Um, I uh, I was gonna set you up for a segue, uh, and then I'm, I'm uh, sorry, I cut it off. And then Elijah started talking, and I was like, "Okay, we'll, we'll just we'll just go with that." Uh, All right, well, let's sorry. talk about the next thing. How's that? <laughs> yeah, that's that, a good that'll segue. <laughs> that'll work. That'll work. I don't know. Uh, I feel like we've talked about uh, sort of this. I feel like we've talked a little bit about this already, but I think another great thing that this movie does, you know, in giving its its characters agency, is you know, it sort of it sort of takes that trope of this beautiful, like uh, this beautiful sexual uh, woman or person. Um, and, you know, in, in other movies and other slashers, that's the, that's weakness or that's like your undoing. And here it is very much so not, um, I would argue it's not. Um, I would, I would say that, you know, part of the agency that Jennifer finds is like, in using her sexuality and using her beauty uh to the fulfillment of her goals like it's not to the benefit of others but it's certainly to the benefit of herself and given what her situation is uh, there's a part of you that can't help but almost sympathize with this evil demon who's murdering oh, yeah. people Um, they even they even at the end of the movie make you do it with uh needy who ends up doing something similar at the end of the movie yeah 
Yeah, she uh, goes and kills the band that uh, performed the satanic ritual that got the succubus there in the first place. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Which is a real sentence that I just said. Yeah, hey, yeah, this is hey. a wild, wild ride. <laughs> it's all it's all based in reality, though. It's all based in reality. Very realistic. Right? Very realistic. Um, I mean, don't you also sing Tommy Two-Tone when you do your satanic rituals? <laughs> okay, can we can we please talk about the... Like, we've talked... Obviously, this is a movie that's centered around our, our two female leads uh, of Amanda Seyfried and Megan Fox mm-hmm. as Needy and Jennifer, respectively. But can we talk about the fact that every single guy who's in this movie is, like, such a like they each have their own caricature or stereotype that they fit in Mm -hmm. like like you have young neil who i know his name is johnny sim johnny simmons but he will always be young neil to me because of scott pilgrim versus the world um who like genuinely is a great person and is a great boyfriend to needy um uh and and he fits that role very well, and he has all the really dorky lines, like the amazing line that all of you are wrong for saying is a bad line. Of I think I was dead before. I just woke up when I heard your voice. That's a great line. Could you um, not? It you fits his character. I mean, it fits his character, but that doesn't make it a good line. No, you, you can go die in a hole, Ben. Um, Who else, Doug? Uh, well, the if I guy, die, then I'll wake up just to hear your voice, Doug. The guy, <laughs> <laughs> and that's the extent of mine and Ben's bromance. Um, uh, uh, you have the guy who I don't know was who his actor is, um, but he's in a bunch of two thousands movies. He always plays the emo dude. Um, listening to what is it? It's listening is to it? a like punk cover I, of. Uh, I can see clearly now. <laughs> yes, a punk cover of "I Can See Clearly Now." Um, As you do, and in he's like all into. He's all into like he's all into like poetry and like literature and stuff like that. Um, like he fits his role very well. He he plays it. Uh, he plays it very well as a uh, as a um, as a stereotype of an emo dude in the early two th- in the late two thousands. Um, you have the jock who this occurred to me a day and I really want y'all's take on this because um, I think Taylor you've seen Heathers right yes yes sir. Ben you have seen Heathers the musical mm-hmm. right uh, not the musical I've seen the movie okay sweet all right I think that the jock that Jeff Elijah I'm assuming you haven't seen Heathers no yeah yeah okay you know me um, well yeah i do uh so so i think that the jock who jeffer kills i think he's like a reference to kurt and ram because they sort of hint at the idea that he was like secretly dating a guy who died in the fire at the bar Mm -hmm. and i Mm -hmm. i have no i have no proof of this but i think that's a hint at kurt and ram from heathers another dark comedy in which teenagers kill each other I'm not going to lie. I thought that was actually um, something that they were going to confirm that um, the, uh, the Jack and one of the guys who died in the fire were either dating or interested in each other. See, I was about to say something. I mean, about... I think, I think they basically go ahead. 
I was about to say something pretty different about that character and also Chip, the boyfriend. I was just going to say um, they seem like pretty good, like positive masculinity characters, you know, and I was going to bring up the fact that uh, I think his name was Jonas cries yes. over his friend who died in the fire and then he's you know he's like of course i miss him and then you guys are like oh it's because they were into each other and i was like what well i think they say it in the movie don't they no uh, they, I don't think so. they I, say I it mean, about that's, that's where i thought they were going to go with it but i mean uh i appreciate your interpretation too like, yeah, I mean, I think that's also a va- I think that's also a valid interpretation. I just thought it was confirmed that he and the other guy were like dating. Well, whether whether that's what they were going for or not, it is nice to see like a big tough guy in a movie who's not afraid to cry when he's sad and things like yeah. that. You know, it's, it's, it's I think very the big thing is it's just not something that you normally see in a in a movie in two thousand and nine. Yeah, yeah, like I mean, the fact that we have positive masculinity and movie in two thousand nine, in and of itself is great i was just trying to say that i think he's a kurt i think he's a reference to kurt and ram uh from heathers that was literally the only point i was trying to make um interesting but uh but yeah i think that's the thing is like a lot of the male characters in this with the exception of adam brody and his band who suck um they're also like very entertaining to watch but they do suck um uh but I think the majority of the male characters in this movie do represent that positive masculinity that was not present in 2009 in in media by and large. So yeah. 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 Get some Limp Biscuit in here. (laughs) Yeah. You know, okay, this is a completely off topic thing, but you know, the, uh, the lead singer of Limp Biscuit, he directed a horror movie. It's not good. No, it's, it's terrible. Good. It's awful. And it has John it's, Travolta in it. And Devin Sawa, who was in the first Final and Destination Devin Sawa. movie. Mm-hmm. It's not good. No, it's terrible. It's called The Fanatic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's 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 amazingly awful. Um Dead wow. Meat does a podcast on it in case you need to go listen. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yes, Dead I do. Meat come on um Dead Meat come on the podcast. I've <laughs> I have DM'd Chelsea and James being like, hey, what's up? I just want to say I'm a huge fan of y'all. Um, I do this and this. Uh, please listen to my stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah. All right. So uh, kind of winding down our conversation, you know, we've talked a lot about how this is such a, this is so clearly a black comedy. But I mean, what what is it that really makes a black comedy successful or uh, or actually effective? as opposed to one that doesn't work, as opposed to one that completely misses the mark. Elijah, I'll go you first, mainly because you posed the question, but also yeah. because... Well, you know. I'm, I'm still thinking about it, but uh, here's, here's where I'm at. So oh, okay. a, lot of the, uh, a lot of what makes comedy in general work, especially like since the 90s when it became... Um, when sarcasm became the go-to for so many people. Um, I think a a lot of comedy just relies on taking situations that on their head should not be funny and cracking as many jokes about them as possible. Um, 
And I think with this kind of comedy, it, oftentimes it's like, let's find something profane or really unsettling and crack as many jokes about that as we can. And that's what this movie does a lot. Um, so maybe that makes it a successful black comedy. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what makes a black comedy good necessarily, but that's what I'm thinking. I think that um, that's, I think it's a great point. Um, I don't know if anyone is familiar here with uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. If you're not, you absolutely should be. Um, one of my favorite TV shows. But um, I definitely think that Joss Whedon popularized that that thing of like teen dramas, like teen horror, where it was like very serious and like, you know, Buffy Summers walks on the on the on the scene and is like if the apocalypse if the apocalypse comes beat me or whatever that just that ability to riff and be so flippant about a situation like at the end of the movie where she's like she's levitating that's not that impressive I think that really feeds into what Jennifer's body is and I think it goes back to that and how that works I mean does it work a hundred percent of the time no, but I definitely think there's something like Elijah was saying about taking something that's so serious and being able to add humor to it that just keeps bringing audiences back. Like, I mean, look at the like the first part of it that came back out in 2017, you know, incredibly funny, still a horror movie, but I mean, look at how much money it made. I don't know. Comedy and horror shouldn't go together, but it does. So. Well, I, I think part of the reason they do go together so well is that you've got so many campy horror films that aren't really scary. They're just laughably bad. I think I think it kind of gets down into, you know, we as people when we're confronted with something that's tragic or uh, or upsetting, you know, we have we have really one of two responses that we can have. We can we can scream and cry and uh, get sad about it, or we can crack jokes about it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's sort of that, that base instinct of like comedy helps us through the rough parts. Uh, comedy helps us through the, the hard things in life. And I think, yeah, I think that's why uh, comedy and horror go so well together. And I think, I think this movie really does hold its own as like, uh, a good black comedy even today elijah you were gonna say something oh yeah i was gonna say you know like when you're performing a human sacrifice in the woods it's kind of tough and you just have to crack a few jokes to get through it you know it's that moment when you realize that the person that you're sacrificing her name is jennifer uh and you're a huge fan of eight six seven five three oh nine so you're just gonna you're just gonna let go <laughs> jeez you're, you're, just, you're just gonna riff on it that scene was probably uh, a prime example of of what black comedy is going for, and it made me uncomfy. <laughs> I've I've got to tell you, I've got to tell you, my favorite line from that scene. Actually, we haven't talked about. It. Um, I mean, there's really no reason to talk about. It. Um, but I love the line. I love the line, dude. That knife is sick. You like it? It's a Bowie knife. Bowie, awesome, dude. <laughs> so dumb. Yeah. We didn't watch the version of this movie that has the actor that plays Patrick Starr 
in it, did we? I love that line. No, because he's in the scene. Okay, so if, if you don't know, Bill Fogerbachy has a cameo in this movie. If you watch, there's two versions of this movie. There's a theatrical cut and there's an unrated cut. Um, if you watch the theatrical cut, you're just going to see Bill Fogerbachy on screen. Bill Fogerbachy, if you don't know, is the actor who plays Patrick Starr. And Patrick is basically his own voice, just a little deeper and a little slowed down. But Bill Fogerbachy's voice, for, for all intents and purposes, sounds like Patrick Starr all the time. Um, and he has a line in the unrated cut in which he finds out his son has been killed and he says, Ben, can you just bleep out the curse words? And he says, just to the air, screams it to the heavens. He says, you hear me, you I'll cut off your nutsack and nail it to my door. Like one of those lion door knockers rich folks got. That will be your balls. It's worth it just to go on YouTube and just Google that scene. Yeah, uh, definitely. Because br- it's, it's a time. I mean, just, and like, that's what black comedy is, I think. Like, that was the example that popped into my head. It's such like a horrible moment. But then like, you have this comedy and like that, I mean, it's what I remember about it. And we didn't even and, watch and, that version of the movie. And, you know, I just, in my head canon, Diablo Cody is just a really big fan of SpongeBob. And she was like, what if I wrote in this scene where the voice of Patrick Starr comes on and just shouts to the heavens, just shouts to the heavens, one of the funniest lines ever written. I hope that happens. I, I That's my headcanon for this. The same way that Jonas is an homage to Kurt and Ram from Heathers. Um, it's all in my headcanon. But, uh, you know, I think it's time we score this sucker. Let's do it. So, Doug, why don't you get us started? All right. Happy to get us started. You know, I think this is a really solid movie. Um, I'm not going to lie. The first time I watched this, I didn't think it was going to be a movie that I wanted to watch again. Um, or not not that I wanted to watch again. One that I would appreciate as much a second time. And I really liked it the second time I watched it. Uh, so I think I'm going to give this movie a 79. I think it's a really solid movie. Um, I enjoy it. Uh, you know what? I'm going to give it an 80. I'm going to give it an 80. Sure. Ben, why don't you tell us your score next? Okay, I was going to wait, but I guess I can go ahead. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if I made it super clear, but I, 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 I do want to preface this. I, I didn't hate this movie. Um, I would not say I, this movie was really for me, though. Um, it's not a movie that I really care to see again. Um, honestly, I could have gone my entire life and not seen it once. Um, it's just not something that I would normally seek out, not something that I would normally be interested in. Um, as far as the score for this, um, I think uh, Megan Fox and Amanda, Amanda Seyfried have really good chemistry on screen together. Um, I think this there are definitely some good parts to this movie. Um, I do think it struggles some with the script uh, and some jokes that just don't land. Um, so for a score, uh, I'm going to Knock it down a little bit. I'm gonna give this movie a 62. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say 60. I feel very similarly to Ben. I think this movie is mostly successful in what it was trying to do. Mm-hmm. Even if I'm just grading it on how successful it was and what it was trying to do, I wouldn't give it an A. Um, and I definitely don't want to see it again. Like <laughs> I'm okay. done with this movie. 
so <laughs> I love I love how our scores work just because when we did midsummer everybody was like oh 95 92 and I think I said like 80 maybe I really lowballed that movie I know that but I guess I'm gonna highball this one making up for it um <laughs> I I love this movie I knew that it was often considered like something super important to watch as a horror fan um did I get around to it in a timely manner not really but it's fine we've got to keep those uh in our rotation so that we don't get bored um I like um Megan Fox and Amanda Seyfried in this a lot um the humor works for me even if it is that kind of cringy at times uh 2009 humor I think it's a great encapsulation of what the time was um it's really awesome to see two strong female leads um and there's a whole other conversation about the LGBTQ-ness of this movie but um I mean I think that really helps it withstand the test of time so for me personally this is probably about like a probably like a 90 to a 95 I'll give it a 93 since it's in the middle but um I don't know I just I think Diablo Cody did good work with this and I'm glad to see this getting the love that it deserves is it perfect no but as someone that loves Scream this is pretty great so well uh, after putting all that into our patented scorometer Uh, That gives us a final score of a 73.75. So even highballing it, not really enough to move it too much. Dang, Um, (laughs) that was brutal, Ben. (laughs) I mean, it was just like, it was just like, you you tried, but no, 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 no chance, Taylor. Sorry. It's like, it's like those zeros that are sitting in my grade book right now for my ninth graders. They really yank the score down. Maybe if any of my ninth graders are listening to this, you'll turn in your assignments. <laughs> I really hope that like, you go to I, class tomorrow and be like, hey guys, I was on a podcast uh, and when it posts, I'm going to show it, uh, let y'all listen to it. Uh, there's a very important message for you right there at the end. Make sure you listen all the way to the end. Oh, I'm yeah. pretty convinced that they think I'm easily 40 and go home to my cats and do nothing so the fact that i was on a podcast they'd be like you know what a podcast is oh yeah yes thank you i'm only 24 and yes i still know what tiktok is you should you should just be like not only was i on one podcast i was on one podcast more than once yeah guys check it get on my level they couldn't if they tried (laughs) well ben I, I know it's not October yet, but I would say setting the scream is off to a great start so far. I would agree. And you know what? We're, we had so much fun, I think, talking about um, demon possession this week. I think we should do it again next mm-hmm. week. It is you know fun what? talking think, about that, isn't it? I, I, think, I think we should do the exact same thing, Ben. I think we should definitely talk about demon possession next week because, Ben, I don't know if you knew this, buddy, but next week we're looking at one of the greats in, tor- in terms of horror, one of, one of the classics, one of the staples of the genre. Y'all, next week... That's we're right, we're watching the original it. Winnie the Pooh movie. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> 
hear me out. Next week, we should totally start the episode with just like, all right, y'all, we've ventured down into this dark hellscape and we have come back to discuss Winnie the Pooh. Um, no, next week we're watching The Exorcist. Um, what, what a great time. I have still yet to see the entirety of The Exorcist. Um, but it's, I don't it's think any of the people one. that are going to be on have seen The Exorcist all the way through yet. So I think that'll okay. be really interesting. Well then, we're gonna have some fun, y'all. <laughs> I've we'll seen a documentary the about The Exorcist. <laughs> I've I've seen a documentary about The Exorcist, but other than that, no. Right. So I've well, never I'm seen gonna it. go turn on a nightlight and cuddle up with my blankie, um, <laughs> and I'm just gonna be ready to do that for the rest of setting the screen. Just so you know. Yep. All right. Yep. Sounds good. Well, in the meantime, uh, thank you all for listening. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. Uh, be sure to keep up with us on social media at Vider Media, all the different cool things that we're doing. Uh, new episodes of Setting the Screen uh, all, Oct- all October long on Wednesdays. Any tea update, Doug? Nope. Okay. Um, although, oh, okay, actually, uh, by the time that this drops, I might actually have some tea news. All right. But You'll have some tea. As for right now, no. Okay. Um, well, maybe but, next uh, week. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, Also, huge shout out to our very good friend, Taylor Frady. Mm -hmm. Taylor, it's always a pleasure to have you on. It's always a pleasure to have someone who cares about horror movies like I do on the podcast. Just know that whenever you review Titanic on here, I'll be back. Oh, good Lord. That's a four hour long movie, though. I hope you prepare for a very nice, a very long podcast for that. (laughs) I can't wait. I just I don't four hour movie, eight hour movie. podcast. We'll just we'll prep movie, though, in advance, y'all. okay? We'll 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 talk about it. Okay. But okay. I just don't want to watch a four hour long movie. <laughs> and then um, record a shot by shot analysis of the movie. <laughs> yes, we'll, say, uh, we'll we'll just uh, do one of those like by the minute podcasts. You know, we just talk yes. about like a minute of the film. And it's been like 20, 30 minutes talking about like each minute yeah okay yeah <laughs> i don't see the issue here <laughs> oh good lord oh, anyway oh, uh, well we'll cover the titanic <laughs> it, maybe at some point i don't know nobody knows anyway be sure to join us for the exorcist next week it, i don't want to say it'll be fun but it'll it be an experience be no no it won't be fun let's be real it will not be fun <laughs> Yeah, it will I, be an experience. There we go. But anyway, for all of us here at uh, Setting the Scream, I'm Ben. I'm Doug. I'm Elijah. I'm Taylor. Uh, and this has been Setting the Scream. You all have a wonderful week. <laughs>